Hello everyone, Mike the DM here. Hey, we've got a special treat for you today. Instead of a regular episode, we've got a special episode detailing Cotter's experiences and what led him to flee his privileged life in Porta Magnum. So please enjoy Escape from Porta Magnum. Okay, well hello everybody and a little bit of a special presentation for you. Um, so, Cotter, you are Cotter Fraser of Porta Magnum, but you're not the Cotter that we've come to know and love, are you? Not yet. No. Uh, why don't you tell us who you are right now? So, I'm Cotter Fraser, second son of the Fraser family at the time. I'm, at the moment, a level zero noble. Mm-hmm. So this is actually taking place before the whole adventure happens. Yeah, Arlen was like six years old. <laughs> and so we are here in Porta Magnum of almost 10 years ago. Uh, you are uh, the second son of House Fraser um, and uh, living a laugh, um, living, <laughs> living a life of luxury as uh, all First Circle residents do in Porta Magnum. So you enjoy all of the benefits of the First Circle. Uh, you uh, go hunting with your brother and your father and several of the other gentlemen in the uh, hills around Porta Magnum, sometimes going as far away as, as uh, you know, the other side of the kingdom. Uh, you obviously dine on the best of foods and wear the best of clothes. You have uh, all the all the luxuries that life could possibly afford you. And uh, to anybody's outside view, your life is just idyllic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, from an inside view, too. Yeah. Um, well, as uh, your sister will say almost 10 years later when uh, confronted by Orlana. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be, uh, along with all of that uh, money and fine clothes and everything. You also have a lot of expectations heaped upon you. There's a lot of rules you have to follow, all those things. Yeah, that's my brother's problem. <laughs> that's true. Being the second son, you get to pretty much goof off. You're not expected to take over the family business when your father passes. You'll probably get a pretty high-ranking position in the business. But, uh, yeah, you could pretty much get to uh, dilly-dally around, play with your favorite hunting dog, Patch, uh, go hunting, uh, practice arms with the, uh, the uh, sword master in, in your family's compound. Uh, maybe uh, you make, you know, some romantic overtures towards some of the ladies just to uh, keep them interested let my brother be the one who goes oh my family's reputation and his <laughs> brother brings home some interesting friends exactly yeah so um you're not exactly a hellion but you're definitely uh, definitely a uh, a thorn in your in your father and your brother's side to a small degree um obviously you've not ever gone out and disgraced the family but you carry on as uh, the younger uh sons often do so all is well in the Fraser house, and uh, you guys are looking forward to a boar hunt coming up. Um, this is uh, something the gentlemen like to get up to. They, you know, who can bring back the biggest boar from the field, and uh, the all of you have woken in the pre-dawn darkness, 
uh, you know, mounted your horses already ready for you and have taken off into the hills around Port of Magnum where a lot of boar sign has been seen by some of the hunting guides. And uh, you uh, made camp. Well, you didn't make camp. You showed up, handed your horse's reins to somebody and sat around drinking uh, tea while the uh, servants made camp for you. And uh, once camp was set up, you guys all headed out into the forest. And it's a pretty simple um, procedure. You have the beaters, which are some of the lower level servants in your house. And then they go and basically form a big wide screen, maybe a quarter mile away or more, and just sort of beat the bushes with sticks and so forth. And uh, they flush out the boars to come towards you. And you and the rest of the gentlemen are waiting there with your boar spears. Okay, and so, of course, a boar spear is like any regular long spear. However, about two to three feet down from the head is a cross guard, about six inches across. So, anyways, that cross guard is there to... Uh, prevent the boar from literally running up the spear as they're famed to do to actually get at the person holding the spear. So you, uh, you, you know, the boars are famous for you'll stick them with a the spear and then they'll just keep charging right at you, pushing the spear all the way through them. And uh, while they'll probably kill themselves, they'll also gore you pretty badly. And uh, without that cross guard, it's, it's uh, a, bit of a, a bit of a challenge to take down a full-size boar. Okay, so you are out there. You can hear the beaters. They've uh, started their job. It's, it's uh, you know, a couple hours after dawn. And they are um, beginning to approach. Uh, you hear whooping it up. And you can hear the crash of them uh, beating the sticks against the bushes. And you hear the sound that you have been looking for. The squeal of a pig breaking cover. Um, it's still quite a ways away. But... Um, it's definitely being driven in the correct direction. And um, you start to uh, get a little little uh, adrenaline going in your system as it starts to approach. Um, so uh, do you want to say anything to any of the uh, gentlemen around you? I mean, we've probably been talking mm -hmm. this yeah. whole time. So I don't know if there's anything special, just like maybe the amount of talking that we're doing will go down a little bit because it's almost time. Yes, the excitement begins to pick up as, as the quarry approaches. And uh, so, uh, yeah, you and the gentleman uh, begin to uh, serious up as the, uh, the boar begins to break cover. Do you, like, set your spear? Like, put it on? Yes, there's a spike on the end. And you drive that, you, you spike or you spear the boar, and then you immediately sit down on the spear and spike the back end into the ground. That way it can't drive you backwards. Okay. And the all of a sudden your quarry appears at the edge of the little line of shrubberies and, and small trees that's ahead of you. And it is a massive boar. Not as big as the one you're going to encounter much later in the uh, forest down there in Nitrosaltus, but a, a sizable boar. This would be a uh, kill worthy of any of the gentlemen that's uh, along with you. And it breaks cover and... Unfortunately, it does so, and some of the beaters are further ahead than other ones, and it uh, breaks cover literally right next to one of the beaters who didn't realize that he was so far ahead of the rest. 
and it just turns its little eyes on him and charges. And how far away is he? The uh, boar or the uh, both the beater? Really. They're about uh, twenty to thirty feet away from you. Hmm. So um, obviously not in the range of your spirit any bit. And it gets a. 13 to hit, which on the unarmored uh, peasant there that's uh, carrying it, hits uh, you know directly and does um, six points of damage. So basically it just opens up his entire thigh with the uh, tusk on that side, and you hear the guy scream and go down in a heap as the boar um, you know, basically just rips him open. Um, it, uh, it's, uh, you know, from this distance, it looks to be a mortal wound. Um, and then the boar looks around, having you know put down the closest person, and it fixes its eyes on you and charges. Okay, so it is running up, so I will need initiative. 17. <laughs> okay, so you are ready for it. It rolls a two. So um, it apparently uh, having... Uh, defeated one foe is not exactly on top of its game and it charges up to you and this is the moment you've been waiting for you've done this many times uh, you know exactly what you're supposed to do stick that boar and then plant that spear um, so it charges right up at you and you get to roll 10 oh it just grazes down the side um, you know, it actually probably slice its hide to a, a you know small bit, but it doesn't seem to make a huge difference. Um, and it tries to take a slash at you with its. Uh, with are my friends close enough to also poke it? Yes, they are all okay. gathering around. Because seems like yeah. Once it's inside the range of your boar spear, that sounds like it's a bad idea to yep. be there. So it um, goes and gets a seventeen to hit you. Oh, that. Hits. That's not very great. No. Um, however, it's uh, and as it's a uh, a pretty sizable slash. It uh, gets you for five points of damage. Uh, and how many hit points do you have? I have twelve currently. Okay. So I'm at seven. Okay. So it it slashes you, and um, it's sort of a passing slash as it goes by you, and then it spins and. Um, returns and tries to go again so you at this point in time all of the other gentlemen are rushing to your aid and even some of the uh some of the uh servants are rushing up with their sticks trying to protect you because obviously um you're second son of one of the first houses they, they've got to uh got to do whatever they can it would be uh the probably the end of their employment if they uh didn't okay and here it comes again and you get to make another spear strike at it that's a 17 this time. Okay, this time you get it directly and roll damage. That's for 11 points of damage. Oh, wow. So you stick it pretty good. It squeals loudly. Okay. But that was a pretty good hit. Did I just, like, get it with the spear? Oh, yeah. You basically, you get an a, a, uh, excellent hit on it. You plant it right in the boar's chest and, it you know, almost to the, uh, to the cross guard. And now I need an athletics roll from you to uh, plant the uh, butt end in the ground properly. That's a 22. Okay, yes. So you basically, despite the pain in your leg, um, you know, you go and elbow that back butt end in down and the boar 
runs at you, but it hits that cross guard and it is stuck there squealing. And you kind of begin to, you know, through the, the, you know, pain in your leg though, you begin to uh, feel the thrill of victory. And then a couple of the other gentlemen come on up and your friend Kent rolls a 14 to hit and gets five points of damage and basically just sticks it right through the side, right in the heart. And you just see the lights go out and it collapses to the ground. And a couple of the other gentlemen stick it as well, just to make sure, because um, they have known uh, that the boars sometimes will uh, play possum, for lack of a better term, will go to ground only to jump up later. But at this point in time, you can see it's not breathing um, and everything you know, is, is uh, looking good. Um, and the dust settles and you can hear the sound of a couple more kills being made in the distance on either side as, as further, uh, boars are flushed. And, uh, immediately, uh, your brother comes up to you and it's like, Kata, Kata, you've been cut. Um, are, are you well? Mostly. I mean, it hurts a lot, but I don't think I'll be dying out here. Very good. Here. Um, and he hands you a potion bottle. It's like, I, I carried one of these just in case. I mean, I think I'll, that guy looks like he could, and I'll point to the, like, really wounded. And he is sort of limply thrashing around on the ground. Um, and and, and uh, your brother says, Kata, uh, don't be silly. He, he's from the, the, uh, the seventh circle. Uh, um, this potion alone costs over 40 gold pieces. We wouldn't possibly waste that upon him. Okay, then is there anything we can do for him then? He did a marvelous job. He's he's just a servant, Cotter. We can hire another one tomorrow. Look, his wounds are too grave. There's nothing we can do for him. Here, drink this really quick. Oh, I guess I will. Okay, and you get 2d4 plus 2 back. Well, that's five back, so I'm back to full. Okay, and uh, basically, uh, yeah, your your wound stitches up, and you're gonna have a a, a a you know a rakish scar there probably, but it's looking pretty good. And as you're watching the uh, servant there that was down by the boar, um, just kind of arm collapses to the ground, and you uh, you you see him kind of rattle out his last breath, and your brother says, "See, there was there was nothing we could do for him." Um, we will, of course, have his family compensated for the loss. Uh, but like I said, we can we can hire a new servant tomorrow. Okay. Yes. Okay. And the boar hunt goes on. Um, obviously, you have your kill. Um, and Doesn't mean it'll stop me from taking someone else's. <laughs> well, you are the second son. They are notorious kill stealers. Um, and, uh, although you, with the near brush that you've had, you actually kind of feel like maybe it'd be better for you to retire at this point in time. Um, and you, uh, actually a couple of the servants come up and the hunt master, uh, definitely, um, goes and takes out the viscera and cleans it and gets it ready for transport. And, uh, a couple more, you know, get a pole and bear it back to the camp where, you know, all the servants back in camp are, it's like, Oh, Kata, Kata, you've done such a fantastic job. What a fan- what a marvelous boar. Uh, we shall eat for days and days upon that. And uh, 
you are kind of roundly congratulated. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the gentlemen come in, the ones that were lucky enough to, uh, to get a boar. And they all, uh, you know, you have a, a, a celebratory night and the, the next day you head back in, into town and back to your household. I want my 50 XP. <laughs> okay, put down fix 50 XP. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Am I, am I a level one noble now? Uh, no, unfortunately. Um, you, you got a few, a few more boar to go before you get there. Okay. And you uh, make it back to, to town. And of course, your sisters all want to hear about your uh, brush with death and, and how uh, you were so very brave to have that boar impaled on the spear and, and how it did you an a injury before you were able to take it down. Um, and of course, you, you're going to undoubtedly fill them in with uh, even uh, greater deeds than actually happened out there because you are a second son. You know, and when I stabbed him, he had so much momentum, he flew straight over my head and got stuck in a tree. And that's how we managed to get him to stop moving. And, and uh, you uh, all of a sudden see your, your sisters all kind of tittering at you. Is there someone who knows what, knows what actually happened around? Or? Actually, roll insight. Nat 20. Um, you hear someone breathing behind you. Who is it? You turn around and Kent's there and he's just shaking his head with a big smile on his face. <laughs> and uh, which which is Kent all over the place. He uh, he's, he's usually the foil for all of your shenanigans that you get up to. He was there. He's supposed to pretend that he did this too. <laughs> Not Kent. <laughs> he he uh, definitely enjoyed um, always getting you in trouble whenever possible. Um, and vice versa too. Okay, so it's many days later, and uh, you're back in your house. You're, you're, you're limp that uh, you got for a couple of days after uh, getting your leg healed is, is uh, you know, pretty much recovered. And uh, you are uh, just finishing dinner, and you become aware of kind of a commotion going on down the hall to the kitchen. Um, and a commotion is it like someone's arriving is there a no it's it sounds like maybe there's an argument going on or something like that um and and you never go down there because that's to the kitchen you know that's where the uh the the uh help staff works there's no real reason for someone of your status to go down there unless you're trying to check on the the latest vittles and 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 uh make suggestions but so there's some argument going on can i hear sort of what it's about or is it just like and you can hear shouting at other people um well you, actually it's uh, it's basically sounds like um someone and it sounds like maybe the head of the household or maybe the head of the uh, wait staff is is berating somebody and and you actually hear um a uh young woman's voice um kind of shriek as if they've been injured or something so it does sound like there's a fight? Well, maybe not a fight, but um, certainly oh. uh, there's uh, uh, someone in distress over there. All right, so I'm going to go see what's going on, because that's kind of strange to be happening in our house. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, you know, actually most of the family has already left the table. And you, you do get a couple of strange glances from the, the family members that are still there as you kind of bolt up from the table and... And uh, walk out of the room in, you know, in, in the hallway between the kitchen and the dining room is the, uh, the head of the waitstaff. And he obviously 
has just struck one of the serving girls. Um, and and he, he says, you little vermin, you spilled gravy on everybody. Take that. And he strikes her again, right, right in the fa- side of the face. And it's not a fist, but it's, it's a, definitely an open slap and it's hard. Uh, and you can see the her side of her face is already red from previous uh, strikes. So I'm going to go over and say, hey, what's going on? Stop. What's happening? And, he, and he, his demeanor changes entirely. Oh, I'm so sorry, Cotter. Um, uh, I, I, this doesn't uh, in, you know, involve you at all. One of the wait staff did a poor job and I'm reprimanding her. Um, nothing for you to be worried about. Uh, and I promise you it won't happen again. And he just kind of, you know, glares at her. Okay, and he raises his hand and he's obviously going to slap her again. I don't have my protection thing. I can't impose. Can I do a reaction? <laughs> actually, That's yes. Later. Um, actually, I will say even as a free action, basically, you can go intercede and grab his wrist. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to stop his hand from coming down. Okay, so you just reach out and grab him by the wrist. Yeah. And he looks at you completely surprised. And, and he says, but my Lord Cotter, uh, uh, she is of the sixth circle. I mean, a, a flower to be sure, but, uh, you know, she is a servant class. Uh, is this not appropriate? I don't know is the answer. Um... Yeah, this is a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Um, you realize that you have always internalized the caste system in Porta Magnum. Um, you know, the, the first circle people are always on top. The eighth circle is below, but all of a sudden you're kind of seeing it in practice. Um, you know, things that you just really haven't seen in the last couple of days. So what do you want to do? Um, is there any way I can just get like her and I out of here? Oh yeah. This is a kind of weird you're, you're, spot. To... You're the second son of, of the family. You can basically just take over this point and, and say, I'll take it from here. I'll say, <laughs> I'll take it from here. Very good. And, and, and uh, he, his arm relaxes and, and, and he says, oh, uh, of course, uh, you're, you're uh, you know, Cotter, um, obviously you wish to punish her yourself. I leave this in your capable hands. And he bows to you and returns back to the kitchen, obviously, to finish the, the cleanup of the uh, night's meal. And the girl is looking panicked. Um you know, obviously she's fully expecting that you're going to be punishing her as well. How private is the area? Are there like people around? Is Not currently. No, uh, most of the staff is either out cleaning up the dining room or in the kitchen, cleaning up the kitchen. And right now the two of you are alone in, in the hallway. I'm going to, so yes, yeah, like someone could come around soon, but like she was getting beat up. So everyone didn't want to be around or something. Well, it seems that the uh, wait, um, you know, captain basically wanted to, uh, you know, punish her privately. So he took her off to the uh, to the hallway because he knew that that would be a private space. I mean, no sense in in having the family disturbed by you know the you know her meeting out punishment, you know, or him meeting out punishment to her, uh, you know, for her transgressions during dinner. So I'm gonna. Ask her, does this happen often? But then I'm going to 
sort of realized that this probably isn't the best place to have a conversation with a serving girl of a really low station. So I'm going to try and find a way to get out of right here. Okay. Well, you, you obviously can just go uh, right out the back of the kitchen if you wanted to past everybody. No one would think a thing about it. Okay. Well, then I guess I'll... And um, she begins to realize that, you know, you're not actually going to harm her. And and she's, thank you, my lord. Um, no, uh, the, it, it was my fault. I, I should not have been so clumsy as to spill the gravy. I I only received that, that which I was due. Then why was he trying to do more? Uh, uh, wait, but this happen- This does happen all the time then? Uh, it, it, it is only right. I'm, I'm of the sixth circle. You're of the first circle. Um, you, you can, of course, punish me at any time. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a great gift for you to actually have employed me here. I, I do apologize for being so clumsy. And actually, roll me perception. Is my proficiency plus zero right now? Yeah. Okay. So that means I have a plus two to this. Eight. Okay. Yeah, you don't notice anything. Uh, but you're now outside. And um, what are you going to do? So I'm going to want to like get her out for at least right now. Let mm-hmm. the head of the wait staff mm-hmm. let him cool down and forget maybe so i'm gonna say hey um we should probably get you home for the night let the what does he have a name so his name is varden let's so yeah let's get you home let varden cool down forget so that he doesn't try to do anything else and then we can see how it's going to be tomorrow. Just, oh, thank you, my lord. Um, that is very, very wonderful of you. Um, thank you very much. And uh, so you walk her home uh, through the streets, and it's pretty long way down. It's a it's a good long walk. Um, you know, she's from the uh, sixth circle. Um, excuse me. Yeah, the sixth circle, and. Um, you're all the way at the first, so you basically have to wend your way through the, um, you know, streets of the first circle to the Grand Avenue, and then all the way down, and and in the past you have um, pretty much, I mean, you'll get on your horse with the rest of your family going someplace, and you have gone down through the Grand Avenue you know, out to doing whatever you're doing or up at Grand Avenue or over to the airships or down to the sand ships. And you realize this is the first time that you've actually gone to one of the lower circles. And uh, the uh, girl um, turns to you as you guys are turning the corner into the sixth circle. And she says, oh, I'm so glad I'm with you tonight. Um, and I'm glad you're armed. And obviously you're carrying the fancy longsword that most of the gentlemen on the first circle carry. And she says, there, there appear to be some ruffians out tonight. And there do indeed seem to be some rough looking characters that are watching you guys from the, you know, alleyways and from door jams and things like that. But 
um, you do notice that once they see that there's an armed gentleman, that their interest uh, you know wanes rapidly. Apparently, they're only looking for easy marks. And she leads you to this you know, tumble-down shack, basically. It's uh, one of the row houses. It's not anything spectacular. There's probably like two or three rooms in it. And um, and she says, well, thank you, my lord, for bringing me home. Um, I, I promise I, I won't be so clumsy ever again. Um, I will uh, do my best to, to make you happy. And she opens up the door and you can see that there is, in fact, only two rooms in this, you know, house. On one side is basically a room that serves as a kitchen and a dining room and has is mainly taken up with a fairly large table. And on the other side is the sole bedroom in the house. And there's probably, you know, six beds crammed into there um i mean they're basically just cheek by jowl and you notice that you know every bed already has like one person and maybe two and uh roll me perception one more time 13 okay and this time as she turns you notice um you know kind of her hair falls slightly differently and you notice some old bruises um in around her shoulders and neck and uh you, from so, what you witness, you kind of assume that she's been beaten before. And you realize, looking about this place, that um, her family is probably like eight uh, people, you know, the, the uh, parents and like six kids. And you realize that they're pretty much destitute down here. Well, maybe not destitute, but definitely poor. And... You re- you realize that, you know, even though she's probably pulling down a fairly decent salary being a uh, serving girl in, in a first circle house, that they have nothing. They have no means. Um, in fact, you, you can see on their, their larder board, they've got a couple of loaves of bread and that's about it for food. It's uh, It's quite shocking because, of course, you're used to seeing all the best food all the time. Everybody you know is well fed at all times. And, you know, these people obviously have nothing. And before she can really, like, close the door and, like, leave me behind, I'm going to say, hey, wait, and try and stop her because... And she she stops and opens the door a fraction more and actually roll for me um, insight again. Not 20, so okay. 22. Um, there is fear behind her eyes and you realize that she is afraid that maybe there's some other demand you're going to put on her. Um, she's obviously, you know, trepidatious at this point. I'm going to ask her, like, how many people live here? She says, uh, please, if you if you uh, like, I, I have uh, five brothers and sisters and my parents. We all, all live in, in our house. And there's, like, not enough food for six people on that in that pantry right now or yeah you you, you don't yeah, i mean it, they're not starving but they're definitely meager rations okay so i'm gonna pull out my coin purse I, mm-hmm. do i have one of those yeah do i do i handle money yeah well obviously as as a uh as uh 
resident of the first circle, you always have a purse there that uh, jangles with a few coins because you never know when you're going to need to buy some little trinket or, you know, you go out and get some food from uh, from some vendor or something like that. Okay, well, I'm going to give her all of it, I guess. Do I need any of it right now? Oh, heck no. You, you're rolling in dough. You can go back and get uh, a bunch more from, uh, from the uh, house staff later on. Okay, then yeah, I'm going to try and give her all of my... How much is in there? You've got like about 10 gold in there. Oh, right, then yeah, I can... I can give that to her. Okay, very good. And so you uh, hand her the purse, and she just looks at you, and you realize, obviously with your nat 20, that she's expecting you to make some request of her, and then realizes that you're not. And she, her face just brightens up. Oh, thank you. And she gives you a, a curtsy. Thank you, my lord. Um, and she, you actually see kind of tears welling up in, in the eyes. It says, I will, I will do everything I can to not be so clumsy next time. And she closes the door. And um, you kind of realize that that's like an entire year's worth of salary uh, that you just gave her right there. Okay, so, um, and actually it was no, nothing to you. I mean, there's, you could, there's probably more... Um, you know, gold in that just sitting in the back desk, back doors of your desk at, at home. And so, uh, once again, uh, even though you're by yourself this time, most of the, uh, less savory looking people that are around there, um, aren't about to, uh, go and challenge someone carrying a long sword. Um, especially someone that seems to know what they're doing and you make your way back to your house. And, uh, how are you feeling right now about this? I'm kind of unsure about, because unsure about how a lot of things work now, really. Yeah, this is really the first time that you've gotten out of your wealthy enclave in the first circle and seen how the rest of Porta Magno lives. And you're kind of looking uh, back and forth at the various levels as, as you go up and and it's eye-opening. Um, you've ridden straight through this and not looked side to side before. And as you go past the sixth level, um, things get better. Uh, the fourth and fifth levels are mainly populated by the artisans. There's, and you've been down here many times uh, to, uh, to you know, go purchase things from the shops and there. But but you now look at them with different eyes. Um, you know, past the glittering shops full of weapons and jewelry and other, you know, sundry items, clothing, and so forth, uh, you notice that the houses are, while bigger than they are in the sixth level, very small. Um, and uh, you can only imagine that the ones in the seventh and the eighth level, the very lowest levels, are teeny if the, you know, in the sixth level, people are cramming themselves into two rooms. And then, of course, you know, you get up to the third level, and now you're into kind of... Uh, estates um and, and you know many of your top servants come from the third level and uh, then uh, you go through the second to the first and, and you're into the grand estates of the, of the first families and how does that make you feel yeah I'm, de I'm definitely not as sure as i was the, in the morning yeah you've had a couple of um eye-opening experiences here and so um you get back home and it's terribly late 
And um, as you uh, are headed down the hall to your room, you hear your father's voice. Uh, Cotter, um, come down here. Um, yeah, I'll go down. And he's actually in his one of his studies. And um, he says, uh, Cotter, we've been terribly worried. Where have you been? You disappeared after dinner and no one's known where you've been for an hour. I took a walk. Um, well, that's pleasant, but uh, whatever did you do that for? Am I really bad at lying? Probably. Okay. I'm going to try and make something up that's not going to work. Um, so I'll... I probably won't even think of a lie to tell. I'll just, mm-hmm. like, stand there, like, trying to make something up and it's not going to come out. And, and your father says, uh, come, come, Cotter. Uh, we're both gentlemen of the world. You can tell me what you were doing. Everyone saw you leaving with the uh, scullery maid. Tell me, is, is she is she as wonderful as she appears in person? And he says, remember, you're a son of the first circle. There's no shame in this. You know, the uh, the women of the uh, lower circles, they, they do have to accede to our every demand. And, you know, you're not married like myself, so you can go out and sow your wild oats. <laughs> Are you are you blushing inside? I mean, I don't want to because that would be like saying, "Oh yeah, I did," but mm-hmm. mostly because that's a really weird thing to say. Anyway, um, well, I think at this point in time, <clears throat> you might want to just fess up as to what you did. You know, you just walked her home for her protection and so forth. Yeah, so I just. Walked her home, made sure she was safe getting to her house because there were people on the street who looked like they were up to no good. Well, uh, that is noble, Cotter, uh, but um, let's not be a little ridiculous here. You're a son of the first circle. Your your skin is much more valuable than someone from the sixth circle. It was, it was very brave to do what you did, but... Um, we could have gotten another serving girl if need be. You you needn't have done that. Are you even more uncomfortable now? Yeah, but I don't really know what to, how to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Well, do you just want to bid your father good evening and head back to your room? Yeah, to think more. And he says, well, have a good evening, Cotter, and, and try not to be so silly. I know you're not, we don't put as many demands on you as your older brother, but you still must carry the mantle of the family. And he sends you off to bed. And uh, you're alone in your room. And what's going through your head? Um, I don't really know what to think about, about all the things that I'm thinking about. I'm just trying to mull over all the things that I've been sort of picking up on but not really paying much attention to for the past little while Mm -hmm. and uh you kind of look out the window and way you know and your window faces out across you know down the slope of of uh porta magnum and out across the mare and way off in the distance to the southwest um you uh you know almost you know you can 
from where you where you uh, are there, you can almost see Nidrosaltus. And somewhere in the mountains above there, you see kind of like a light appear. And then go out as if like, a, you know, there's a shooting star that just kind of appeared there on the ground just briefly and then instantly winked out. But just enough to catch your eye. But yeah, I really don't know. Okay. And so you, you go to bed troubled. Yeah. Um, and you have troubled dreams in the night. Um, you see that poor girl from the scullery um, being chased through the city by boars. And you just kind of get this feeling. That, I mean, you're chasing the boar with a spear and you just can never catch up to it. And she's always being chased by it. And you know, if you can't get to it, that the poor girl's going to be killed by the boar. And you just kind of wake up in a cold sweat the next morning. Yeah. Probably didn't get a very restful night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's the next day. And, um, your uh, trouble. I mean, your, your uh, family obviously notices that you're more quiet than usual at breakfast, but no one seems to bother you with it. I mean, um, they don't really know what to make of it, but at the same time, they're they're not going to intrude on your privacy. And so, what is going through your mind? I'm mostly just sort of confused about lots of things. What really is the way it is for everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. um, how much of what I do is like custom tailored for me and my family versus how the rest of the world has to deal with it, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, these thoughts haunt you all day long. Um, and it's getting on towards the evening time. Um, and what, uh, you know, you've been deliberating this all day and what, uh, what, conclusion do you come to i don't know how to say it correctly um because yeah i don't i mean just from what i saw and i can can i look over the city from my window um you, yeah you look down across the city see so, yeah, i can see that where the sixth circle is it gets worse and worse for the seventh and the eighth and then well it's never really occurred to you to look at it quite like this because you've always looked at it economically and, you know, from your vantage point in your window, you can see that, like, down there, you can see the shops of the 4th and 5th and the warehouses of the 6th and 7th. And, but now you're looking at it with new eyes. And in addition to those economic items, you notice that, yeah, as you go down there, the the houses get smaller. And, you know, in the, in the vast distance there where the 8th circle is, you can just see tenement rows all huddled together. And, and you've never questioned that up until now. But now you do. See, so this is it's kind of uncomfortable that he's like in this really nice room with all these really nice things and then there's just all that all those other people out there who don't so I sort of don't know how he'll react to that thought so you, you go to bed that night and you can't sleep um, just the whole scenario keeps going over and over in your mind and you, you keep trying to figure out, you know, uh, all of a sudden you've been awakened to the way the world really works and, you know, sleep just seems to be far away from you. So what are you going to do? Sitting there, 
Cutter realizes that he doesn't really feel right about being in his palace up at the in the first circle with all these other people who just don't have any of the things that he has and he decides that he wants to just get away from the place he's at and maybe find some other way to live that's not pushing down on all these other people. Okay, so what do you do? It's, it's you know, the, the wee hours of the morning. Um, dawn will be breaking in a few short hours here. Um, you've been tossing and turning. you got very little sleep all night. What are you going to do? I think he's going to try to leave. Okay, so you're going to start packing a travel bag so you can take with you? Do I know how to pack a travel bag? I mean, I know what's generally in a travel bag because I've had one, right? And and you really don't, you realize. You've always had servants that have packed stuff for you. Um, but you have enough sense to grab a fistful of gold coins from your desk and um, you grab some clothes and st- stash those away and you grab your, your uh, sword and your dagger and you... Uh, you know, put them all together and, and you, you know, you don't really know if this is enough for there, but you've got some money, so that should cover a lot of things, right? And how much money do I have? You've got about, uh, you know, 15 or 20 gold pieces that you're able just to quickly grab from your desk. Do I know how long that'll last? Like, do I know how much, like... You don't. Bread? You've never had to buy a loaf of bread. You've never had to... How much could bread cost? Five gold pieces, right? Um, you would expect it to be far less than that, but, uh, but still, you know, you've never had to do any of that. But at this point, I mean, obviously you feel so out of sorts that you're Based on how much the serving girl was excited about 10, I assume that 15 will go. A ways, yeah. So I'll have the bag packed. Okay. And then how do I sneak out of my own house? Well, you are just thinking about that. And all of a sudden, the door opens. And it's your older sister, Lavina. And she starts, Cutter, I, I heard you uh, banging around. Um, I, are you having trouble? What? Cutter, what are you doing? I have to go. Uh, do you have a trip planned? What's? Uh, no one said anything about this. Uh, what, what, what do you mean you have to go? Cutter... You you look so strange. What what is the matter? And Lavina has always been kind of your closest confidant in the house. Um, you you know you've always been able to talk to her even about the things you can't talk with your brother and and your father about. So you feel like you could let her know how you really feel. Hmm. Um. Okay. Like look out the window. Look at all the all the people and how they can barely keep up and I just can't I can't sit here while the people down there have to live like that and she she looks puzzled she says, but but Cutter it, it is the way it is uh, the gods have destined for us to be in the first circle and to rule over the rest of the circles um, it is the way it is I, I don't understand your confusion but 
I do see you're troubled. Um, what, what do you mean to do about it? Why are your bags packed? Lavina, I... When I said I can't sit here while they're out there, I meant it. I... I'm leaving. Um, you, you mean for a while? Do you mean forever? What do you mean? I... I don't know. Um, maybe. And she's, well, wait here for one moment. And she rushes out. And in a few minutes later, um, she appears with, uh, and she's thrown a kind of a travel dress on. And you're actually kind of a little shocked because you've never seen any of the women of your family appear in public without being perfectly groomed you know, ready for the day. And I mean, her hair is still a mess. It's, it's, you know, you know, and waves, you know, that from being slept on, um, she hasn't done any makeup. She's, um, you know, that just basically thrown on a dress. It's not even, you know, well appointed. It doesn't match with her coat. And she says, come, come on, let's go. And give for me a stealth roll. 12. Um, and, uh, you know, she gets a 14, or excuse me, a 16. So uh, she's able to kind of make up any time that you uh, uh, stumble and make some noise. And the two of you head out through the household. And, you know, the bakers are already up at this hour, baking the bread for the day, and a few of the other servants. But you make it over to the uh, stables. And even though... This isn't something you normally do. Obviously, a gentleman of the first circle knows how to, to um, you know, saddle and bridle a horse. And the two of you get your favorite horse all set to go. And she leads you to one of the, the uh, side gates to the estate. And she's had the presence of mind to bring the key to it. And uh, she unlocks the gate. And then she turns and gives you a big hug. And she says, Cotter, I, I don't pretend to understand why it is you're doing this, but I do feel that you have to do it. So please hurry back soon to see us. We'll miss you terribly while you're gone. I won't know how to respond. Okay. But... So you just give her a look and get on the horse and yeah. ride off down into the, the brightening dawn. Okay. And... Then we jump forward a little bit. Um, you've been kind of wandering off to the southwest. Um, you basically had the choice of either going towards Pheromons or towards Excalbarium Colise, and you're much more familiar with the grain fields of the Campo Magno, so you head to that direction. Um, but we're a good several months later, and you've had various, um, you know, unpleasant experiences that uh, you've been able to get through but you find yourself um over at the gates of excalbarium Colise, and you've been staying in one of the inns for a couple of days and you've come to the end of your money um and in fact in order to even afford to pay your bill at the inn you ended up selling your horse so now you're on foot and the city is one where we my family trades so it's not it's not unknown to you yeah, yeah it's, but it's not a place where they can't find me 
to try to bring me back. No, um, but at this point in time, and, and you've had a couple of small run-ins uh, with people that might have been looking for you, so you've kind of learned to keep a low profile. Um, so it's probably not the best idea to settle down here? No, and um, so you're, you're actually kind of wondering what to do, um, but uh, obviously you have to leave, and so you head off on the road towards the Niger Saltis, and the uh, you know maybe you can make it to Savitas Cataracta and get lost in Waterfall City. It's a, a bigger city than Excolbarium Colisa is for sure, and not one that uh, the traders go to on a regular basis. And uh, you take off down the road, and you're kind of a little quizzical about what you can do because you realize that you're rapidly running out of funds. You have the the money you got from selling the horse, and but there's not much left. There's maybe a couple of gold and a couple of silver. And um, you kind of realize that you're probably going to have to turn around and go home and fess up to your father what you did and you know apologize to your whole family for putting them through it. And uh, you think maybe you could get a berth on an airship in Savitas Cataracta or something like that. And you come to a crossroads outside of Excolbarium Colise. And there's a small, smaller track that heads up into the mountains. And there's an old man that's just sort of sitting there. Um, apparently, you know, he's resting. He's obviously drinking from a water skin. And he says, hello, traveler. Hello. Where are you off to? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, lost are we? Lost on no, the road? Not, not lost. I know where I am. Oh, but I think you're still lost. You know, he says, and he looks up the cart track that goes up in the mountains. Um, there are folks up there that help people that are lost. Maybe you should give that a try. Thank you. And I, I think I will. So make the turn and okay and you get about 10 feet and you realize that you uh maybe should have uh spent more pleasantries with him and at least asked his name and made sure he wasn't like sending me off to a bandit camp mm-hmm. and you turn around and he's not there and someone that old could not have moved to cover that fast it's like he's just blinked off the face of the world Okay, so it's probably not a bandit camp. And so are you going to... I'm going to be confused about that for a little, but then I'm going to continue up the hill. Mm-hmm. And um, on towards, um, you know, after midday, and you've uh, you've actually learned how to fend for yourself pretty good, so you've got a loaf of bread and a, a thing of uh, salami and, and some uh, vegetables, and uh, you've made your, your lunch, and after midday, you... Uh, realize that you've come to the walls of a monastery and you recognize the symbol of Dianect on the door who is the god that you always felt most compelled by back in Porta Magnum what are you going to do? I think I'm going to knock on the door if there's a door or if it's just open I know I it's, it's a door and it seems to be bolted and you hear someone bring 
back the bolt and uh, one of the, the brothers of the monastery says, Ah, hello, traveler. How can we assist you today here in the monastery of Dianect? I... I'm not entirely sure. Ah, many come here looking for answers. Why don't we find you a room and see if the wisdom of Dianect can provide them for you? That sounds... That sounds good. I, I, yes. And they take you inside, and the door closes. And the rest, as they say, is history. have it everybody i hope this gave you a little bit of an insight into our penniless or maybe not so penniless paladin and where he came from why he serves dianect and what shaped him into the man he is today hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you all in the next episode until then let us know what you think rate us on Apple podcasts email us at relic of the past podcast at gmail.com Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.